and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I sit down with Catherine Minshew, CEO of The Muse, to talk about the changing talent market. TheMuse.com is a go-to destination for the next-gen workforce to research companies and careers. They help people win at work from professional advancement and skills building to finding a job. Catherine, thank you so much for jumping on with me today. You have such an interesting background, an interesting story, and the Muse is such a cool resource, so I'm really glad you were able to join me for this chat. Thank you. No, I'm really excited to be here. So I thought we could start off by maybe sharing a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this industry? Like, what's your origin story? (laughs) Well, um, it's funny when people ask me, why I started the muse. The short answer is really that I needed it and it didn't exist. Uh, the, the longer answer is, um, so my family moved from uh, Dallas, Texas to the Washington DC area when I was about 12. And I decided very quickly that I was going to become a, um, secret agent or an ambassador. That was the career path I chose, you know, when I was really young and I majored in political science in college, I had all of these kind of big dreams. And luckily, um, in 2007, I had the chance to work at a U.S. embassy in Nicosia, Cyprus. And I realized like, oh my goodness, the idea I had of this career path didn't match the reality. And so I I moved back to New York. I started working um, in management consulting at McKinsey and Company, but I just became fascinated with this idea of how do people decide what they want to do with their lives. And how do you know as an individual, as a professional, as a job seeker, how do you know what a company is going to be like before you join? How do you understand what matters to you? And then architect the sort of life that aligns with with your values. And so I started the Muse because I didn't see a platform out there when I was doing my own job search that gave me any of the context or the information I was seeking. And you know, it was really fascinating because also when I worked at McKinsey, um, on one hand, there were companies, you know, banks, big tech companies, uh, hedge funds that were spending thousands and thousands of dollars trying to recruit me and some of the other consultants. And they were rolling out the red carpet. It was this very bespoke, high touch recruiting experience. And yet, if I wanted to follow any other career path or look at any other company, I was pretty much relegated to monster.com to this very like archaic clunky experience with just like thousands of undifferentiated results. And, you know, it just seemed to me that technology had progressed to a point where we could actually create a more beautiful, engaging, um, enjoyable recruiting experience online, do it in a way that was scalable to hundreds or thousands of candidates. And by doing so, not only create a better experience for job seekers, save companies money, but but also create better matches, right? Because when people are happy at the place where they work, and that's great for everyone, right? It's great for their family. It's obviously good for themselves. It's great for the employers too. And so I've just, um, yeah, I, I started the company nine and a half years ago. We're coming up on our 10-year birthday, which is surreal. And I love the space because I think that there are few things um, that are as you know as important to someone's day-to-day life as their 
their job, their career, um, the you know context in which they they do work, and for many people, find meaning in that. A lot of people are looking for meaning in their roles right now. I mean, I know you know what the talent market's like right now. Um, you recently had an opportunity to be on CNBC's Squawk Box segment, and you were talking about current talent climate. I'd love to hear what you're seeing as some of the major themes that job seekers have in their attitudes right now. Yes, um, it is such a fascinating time for the employment market. And I think there's a few big themes that that, that come to the surface. So first of all, um, I don't think I need to tell anyone that more people are on the move, more job seekers are considering making a move than at almost any time in the past 20 years. I mean, every single data source from the Muse's own proprietary data from our job seekers to surveys of the American worker indicate that a lot of people are thinking about changing jobs in the next 12 plus months. And it's driven by a number of trends. You have, first of all, the shift to remote work and now back by many people. Um, from our own database here at the Muse, um, we're seeing that, um, and, and I should say, we have about seven to eight million people every month who are coming to themuse.com. Um, they tend to skew Gen Z and millennial. They tend to skew towards sort of full-time knowledge workers. Um, the, the top roles that people search for on the site are you know, engineering, marketing, and sales. So that gives you a sense of the type of population that we tend to draw from. But from our population, about 32% of workers are looking to stay fully remote. Um, a slightly lower percentage, about 27%, are hoping to go back into an office full-time, which I think is very interesting. People who miss the camaraderie of uh, a physical location. And actually the largest percentage, about 41%, is looking for a hybrid solution. So as we're seeing employers try to figure out what types of flexibility they offer to their workforce, there's this really interesting parallel where employees are asking the big questions about what works for them. And frankly, no matter how thoughtful you are as an employer, you cannot make every single person at your company happy. And that is really hard for a lot of people to take. And it's hard for me, right? I want every single person at the Muse to be happy. And yet, if we go hybrid. There will be people who wish they were fully remote and feel missing out. There will be people who wish they were fully in the office and are missing out. There's just, um, you know, we're, we're living through a sea change, frankly, and it's really difficult to navigate. So that's causing a lot of turbulence in the labor market. On top of that, I think COVID really um, forced a lot of people, forced and encouraged. That's why I paused on that word. COVID really forced and encouraged a lot of people to ask hard questions about what matters to them and whether they're living a life that's in alignment with their priorities and their values. And I think, you know, we we have this trope in media, in movies, film, TV, that someone has a near-death experience, a heart attack, a car accident, and, you know, they, they kind of come out of it and they say, I realized that I was living my whole life wrong and everything needs to change. And, you know, I think to a, to a, to a somewhat lesser extent, but a, but a really truthful extent, we have all as a society been through almost this near-death experience. And so now many, many people are waking up and saying, am I working in a career, working at a job, working for a company that aligns with my values? And it's really interesting for me running the muse because I feel like I've been waving the flag on values-based job search for a really long time, but um, the, the market has never been more receptive. And so, you know, for example, when we look at 
um, again, our own pool of job seeker and candidate data, um, it's really interesting seeing how worker preferences are changing. So when we asked our users the top three factors that they were considering when uh, changing a job, the most cited factor, interestingly enough, was learning and growth opportunities, followed by work-life balance and then team culture and values. So that was, again, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, disrupted some of the conventional wisdom, especially because compensation was on our list and it came in fourth. And not that comp isn't important, it certainly is, but we are seeing the kind of continuation of a trend that I think has been in play for, for a long time, where there are a lot of factors um, outside of just pure comp that job seekers are taking into account. Um, we also asked a lot of questions about perks and benefits. Um, you know, unsurprisingly, health insurance was the number one benefit most desired by job seekers. Definitely not a surprise, especially coming after, you know, such a dramatic uh, pandemic that, that we've, you know, I was going to say we've been through. We're all still in. Um, remote work was second. Uh, very, very near the top as well. Um, and then learning and development budget. So I think that, you know, we're, we're continuing to see uh, these changing job seeker preferences. At the same time, I do want to say, I think it's, you know, it's very tempting to search for a silver bullet, the single thing that if you get it right, or you do it, every candidate will want to work for your company. And I really feel like I, you know, I just want to tell people out there who are leading teams managing benefits programs, you know, working in and with talent in any way, um, the, the future of talent and work is actually more personalized and individualized, and there is no one answer. And again, that that's hard because it would be so much easier, right? If you could just like check these three boxes and you will never have trouble again. Um, you know, I, I, gosh, sometimes that sounds fun, but at the same time, you know, if you think about what technology has allowed us to do in, uh, you know, in music, you can go on to Spotify and just pick a song and get a personalized radio station. Um, in film, there are a lot of services. You can click a movie and see other movies that you might like based on your past viewing preferences. People are starting to expect their parts of their worlds to be more personalized. And I think in the workplace, this is leading to both um, increasing expectations for the type of software, technology, and tools that people use in the workplace, but I also think it means that when individuals are assessing what company they want to work for, they're not necessarily just checking the same three boxes as everyone else. They're saying, what matters to me? What am I prioritizing? And is the company a good fit? But I actually think this is such an opportunity uh, because, again, it means that there's no one set of job seeker preferences that every company needs to chase down and measure up against. It's really, I think, about organizations and teams recognizing who are they? What do they have to offer? What are the strengths, the reasons that your best people love it there and stay? Um, what are the challenges? What are the things that might cause someone to be unhappy or to leave? And the more that you as an organization or a leader can understand those elements and then articulate them to candidates outside the organization, the more likely you are to attract the people who want what you're offering and who are right over the longer term for you. And so again, you know, we, we collect a lot of great data about job seeker preferences writ large, but I do also think it's really helpful to keep in mind that sometimes it's about which preferences are most valued by the specific people that you're looking to recruit. Um, and how do you make sure that, um, 
you know, most companies don't have the resources to be everything for everyone all the time, but you can be really phenomenal for, you know, particular employee bases that, that you serve. And I think that's a really powerful way to think about uh, recruiting and retention. You, the things that you mentioned really flow into this concept of creating an employee experience. You know, you mentioned technology and some of the different things that people are looking for from a development perspective. You know, we've been talking now, I want to say about two years of, you know, trying to teach like it's not one size fits all, it's one size fits one right now. And it's yes. it's so impactful if you kind of take one size fits one and then employee experience and really think about the changing market. How have you seen organizations, you know, digest that information and then change their tactics as it comes to recruiting and, and attracting talent? Yeah, well, I, I love the way that you framed that because I do think that that one size fits one is a big part of our future. And so in terms of some of the trends that I'm seeing, um, you know, in, in terms of, of the sort of organizational tactics, um, one does go to exactly that theme around personalization. Uh, when you think about, you know, the, the, the absolute ideal for a job seeker perspective, and, and we do a lot of focus groups and surveys of job seeker attitudes. So I, I know this topic well. You ask most people, you know, what would be the absolute dream case uh, as you think about recruiting? They would be, well, I'd love to really get to know my boss, the person that will literally be managing me and my immediate colleagues. You can think of that as sort of the, the closest in immediate teammates. Um, beyond that, people are looking for the broader team. Beyond that, you have the functional area. And then beyond that, you have the company. Now, we're not quite at a point in the broader market where it's going to be feasible for most companies, especially larger companies, to do recruiting on a kind of team boss level. But we are seeing that recruiters and employers are being forced to go levels down beyond just the employer story, the employer values, the, the employer brand, for lack of better words, they're starting to say, and we see this on the Muse, companies are investing in sub pages to talk about the culture on their product and engineering team and how it might be different from you know, a different page that goes deep in their sales and marketing org. Um, some companies are talking about their different offices. They have sub pages and content video testimonials from employees, information. Um, companies are also spotlighting specific demographics. So here's more about what it's like to be a working parent at our organization or um, you know, someone who is coming from a particular background. That leads me to a second big theme, which is I think that the initial rise of employer branding uh, really focused on uh, highly produced content and you know, there's, there's very, it's very tempting when you are first creating a brand to try and be the most innovative, the most incredible, you know, the best for everyone. But for many companies, it unfortunately led to a lack of authenticity in some cases. Um, because again, no one is everything for everyone. Um, so I think we've seen, you know, because the pandemic really removed most companies' ability to uh, create you know, for example, um, complicated in-office video shoots. It changed the nature of dialogue. And I think it introduced a lot more authenticity. Not only that, but all of a sudden, people are spending time with their coworkers Zooming and, you know, maybe a cat walks across the keyboard or a kid bursts into the frame. And that's just part of it. We're all humans. We all have these rich, complicated lives outside of our professional identities. But I think that one positive benefit of the last, you know, 15 plus months 
is that uh, a lot of employers got much more comfortable with authenticity, with kind of genuine communication. So, you know, it's funny, we had a, um, a product we were working on before COVID where employees could actually record their own short videos, you know, on their phone or laptop. And pre-COVID, it was, um, we found a lot of, of HR leaders and talent leaders were, were a bit stressed out. They're like, well, you know, it doesn't look as nice as a professional video, or, you know, what if they say this, or, or what if it's not kind of perfectly scripted? And very quickly, first of all, you know, during the early onset of the pandemic, if you wanted any video content, your employees were going to have to record it on their own at home. Like that was your only choice when we were all sheltering in place. But on top of that, I think there just started to be more of a comfort around, you know, candidates actually just want to hear from real people. Um, and we have heard that consistently, but it's it's more true, I think, because of the amount of humanity that uh, most people experienced from their colleagues and from others during uh, a lot of those early months of lockdown. So I think there's been, you know, a rise in sort of, spe- you know, specific spotlights, uh, personalization, obviously, we talked about, um, you know, employees are going to continue to be the voice of your organization. Um, that trend, believe me, it is not going anywhere. In fact, I think if you could fast forward two years, you would see something that is even dramatically more um, more employee-centric, more unfiltered and authentic than we have today. More, again, the, the closer that you can get to the actual team job uh, boss that the person is going to be, you know, joining, uh, working for, um, that's generally the best in job seeker senses. And then last thing I'll say is the candidate experience. Um, you know, again, I think for a long time, uh, companies felt that, you know, hiring was like finding the needle in the haystack, but you know, who's the hay, right? Like it's literally people that wanted to work at your company and you're rejecting. And of course, that's part of the game. You know, there's, there's no way that you're going to hire everyone, but many of those people are brand advocates. They might be customers of your product. And so all of a sudden, I think we've seen this really interesting tactic change from recruiting as, you know, identifying the chosen one or two towards recruiting as a long and complicated process of engagement with a lot of people that you'd like to continue to be interested in your brand and product, even if you can't hire them for a job. And so I think that there's been a lot of really cool innovation in everything from, you know, applicant tracking systems, um, candidate experience. Uh, we obviously were not directly involved in that in the Muse, but a lot of companies have been kind of figuring out, okay, if we've, you know, invested in creating all these employee recorded videos, maybe there's ways to use these during the recruiting process. I also think that you know, humans love reciprocity. So if you're going to ask a candidate to jump through a lot of hoops or, for example, you know, record videos of themselves answering interview questions, it can go a long way to just give them back some videos of your team. And, you know, even though you might use those same videos of your team a hundred or a thousand times, people, I think, really respond well to an interview process that feels more like uh, a mutual dance or get to know each other process versus one that's like, we're amazing. You should be lucky to work for us. Jump through these hoops. And at the end, we'll tell you if you're good enough. Like most candidates these days, they're like, you know what? Sorry. Like I've got a lot of other places I could work. Um, and I think it's really changing the, the kind of dynamic and the balance of power in some really cool ways. We see authenticity come to life all the time now in, in different ways. You know, um, the podcast I'm recording from a home studio and when I first went remote to do this, I was really worried about audio sound and, and all of those things. And then it became really clear that everybody was doing it from their home. You know, there's this picture that Ira Glass posted 
of him sitting inside a closet in his house recording his podcast. Um, and it just, it came to light that there's this move now where all of these kind of professionalism and markers that we had in place, they've kind of fallen to the wayside. And, you know, one of the tactics we've taken when posting jobs now, which kind of goes to your point about getting to know the manager, is the manager will post a video entering the job and the opportunity to work with them, a little bit about what the job is. And then my boss did this, tagged everybody who reported to her and said, hey, if you want to know what it's like working for me, reach out to these people. They'll all be honest. You can have an experience um, chatting with them and learning about, you know, how I manage my team and my expectations. So I think it's so cool what we're seeing now and the transparency that's coming out of organizations. Yes, I, I love that. And I think, again, like you said, it just, it creates a level of mutual trust that I think is the basis for a long-term relationship. You know, when I used to talk to, uh, particularly a couple of years ago, when companies were even more stuck in this idea of, you know, we can't say anything bad and we have to be super positive and super controlled. I was like, you know, how do you think a candidate feels when they join your company and they show up on the first day and they start to learn all these things that that nobody told them during the interview it is much much better for a long-term relationship to say look this is what it's like to work for me this is what it's you know what what the pros and cons the glories and challenges are and let someone say you know we're all adults let someone say yes i am an enthusiastic yes to those triumphs that I'm willing to deal with and help you solve those challenges versus selling someone on a dream and then having them start the, uh, the new job, you know, with a, with a deficit of trust, if they feel like things, you know, things weren't communicated well. Um, and I do think that the, the, the space is changing, but, um, it's hard. You know, I also think it's a challenge that a lot of companies don't, um, don't measure whether the hires that recruiters make stick. And I think that's going to be a change we'll see in the next few years. I mean, I am absolutely fascinated by how it changes the game in recruiting. If you even check six-month or 12-month retention, all you need to do is say, do the people we bring in the door actually succeed here? And it changes the metrics that you track. It changes the importance of different metrics. I mean, one of the biggest frustrations that I have, and this is, by the way, this next thing is it's coming from a bit of a self-serving place because it's deeply core to the Muse's business model. But I will sometimes talk to talent acquisition leaders who are like, well, Catherine, you know, why should I work with the Muse? Because when I divide everything down by candidate, I'm paying, you know, X for a candidate from you and I'm paying, you know, 20% less for a candidate from this other channel. I'm like, are you actually interviewing and hiring those candidates? Are they staying at your company? You know, on every single measure of quality, um, which I would define as, you know, the ratio of applicant to hire and the retention of the hires that you make, we outperform. And yet it is, it's so interesting to me that I think, not interesting, I understand why a lot of the industry still looks at things like cost per click, cost per applicant, because for a long time, that was all we had. So, you know, you've got to measure what, um, you know, what, what you, what numbers you have available, but we're getting to a point now where I think companies are starting to be much more sophisticated. And I love this focus on the quality of the applicant, the quality of the hire. I think it's so powerful, um, for, you know, the, the goal that I think we're all working towards, which is again, um, helping bring people into organizations where they can be successful and the organization succeeds as a result. I absolutely agree. It's so exciting to see, um, 
the the positives coming out of the pandemic and how that's going to influence our future of work. Um, you know, we're already seeing flexibility like we've never seen before. You know, a lot of organizations are coming on saying, yep, we're going fully remote or we're fully a hybrid organization now. Um, and we're seeing really cool benefits start to perk up. Um, you know, seeing things like um, reimbursement for your office space set up and, you know, childcare deductions and just kind of a rise on things that have always existed but have never been the forefront and have never been, hey, how do we create a great employee experience? So it's really cool to see that. Um, for my last question, because you've touched on so much, what is something that you're working on right now that you're super excited about that you'd like to share? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I both, um, I both love this question and my mind is like, what can I talk about that my product team won't kill me for, <laughs> for mentioning early? Okay. So let's see. So I'll, 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 I'm going to start thematic, but then I will give you a few of the, the specific examples. So I mentioned before that, um, I'm a big believer in values-based hiring or values-based job search. Again, both sides of the market coming together based on what they truly care about, what they can offer. And so, you know, I think that one of the things about hiring that is so beautiful and so challenging is that it really is an art and a science, right? There are certain elements that are very data-driven, very yes, no, very black and white, and other things that are much more contextual. And so phase one of the Muses product was how do we extract enough information from companies and employees and present it in a really easy to consume way so that individual people can look at that, read it, watch it, et cetera, and make better career decisions. And so, you know, for a long time, when I would speak sometimes to investors or, or recruiters, sometimes they'd be like, but where's your matching algorithm? And for, for the longest time, I would have to say, well, look, we're actually trying to give people enough information to use their own judgment and their own discernment to make decisions that we think are ultimately better on these sort of softer attributes than the ones that, uh, that an algorithm, especially, you know, nine years ago when the business was, was getting started, um, the kind of ability to just match, 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 um, was hard. And also, frankly, a lot of people don't necessarily know exactly what they want in that next career move until they start to see it, or they see something and they're like, not that great. Congratulations. You know, you've gotten self-knowledge. That's amazing. So we started with kind of the context. We've been more recently layering in a lot of really interesting attributes into search and into the job descriptions that I'm really excited about. So today on the Muse, you can actually search for jobs by the availability of different benefits, which I mentioned earlier. You can say, I only want to look for engineering jobs that have maternity or paternity leave. I only want to look for marketing positions that have tuition reimbursement. Um, these are things that, you know, they don't necessarily um, are, they're not necessarily uh, yes, no, black and white questions for everyone, but for people who they matter for, they matter for very much often. And so making it just incredibly streamlined to search by that. Um, we're also rolling out fairly soon the ability to look for jobs at companies by um, attributes of the leadership or the founders. So we found that for, again, a very small but um, very dedicated percentage of job seekers, they really want to explore jobs at a female founded or led company, a veteran founded or led company, an LGBTQ plus founded or led company, um, black or BIPOC founded or led company. So there's, there's these various different attributes that um, we wanted to just make it easier if someone's interested in working at a company that has certain types of, of leadership. 
And then beyond that, we've been going really deep with uh, core um, kind of user research, job seeker research to to understand what are other attributes, uh, values attributes of of how a company does business, um, social impact attributes of which values the company might um, exhibit or champion in the world, um, also just workplace attributes, you know, how do things get done on a day-to-day basis? Um, I actually think that, you know, the old model for sort of rating companies from one to five stars, like it never really made sense to me. Can you imagine a personality test for an individual that was like, oh, you have a 3.2 personality. Like that is so demoralizing. And also what are you even supposed to do with that? Like people are very different. And when you think about the, you know, rating systems work when we all agree on the criteria that makes something great. So if we're talking about, you know, a hotel room or a slice of pizza, there's a lot more consistency, but even frankly, within hotel rooms, you better know, is this a hotel for a bunch of 21 year olds on a spring break? Is this a hotel for a family with two young kids? You know, is it a hotel for honeymooners or retirees? Like what you're rating a, a, an item on factors in so much. And again, I think single scale rating is really, um, it's really limiting. And so, you know, I love the idea of saying, what are different types of company attributes? Some people might want a very different work environment than others. And that is great. That is amazing. And so I think that, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too deep into specifics because we have a lot of things that are, that are still in development, but I'm very interested by uh, this idea of typing companies and helping helping individuals understand at perhaps a deeper level than they do today, what are some of the things that would cause them to say, yes, this is an amazing place to work versus, um, oh no, I I don't think this is for me. And how do we shine a light on both sides of the equation to ultimately create those, those better matches? Oh, so cool. So exciting to hear about some of those filters. It, It goes back to what we said about one size fits one. I mean, you know, what's important to you as an employee and what are your must-haves and your nice-to-haves. But if you can filter for your nice-to-haves and check the box with your must-haves, gold, gold right there. Um, So so cool to hear (laughs) that that's coming and and that that functionality is there. So Catherine, thank you so much. Um, I've been following the Muse for several years now. It's such an exciting resource. If you haven't checked it out, definitely I encourage those listening to do so. So thanks for the time, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a such a great time. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.